and welcome in. It's the Magic Weekly Podcast, Tuesday, April 13th. I'm your host, Jake Chapman. The Magic taking out last night to the San Antonio Spurs, 120-97. to That makes six straight losses. Uh, it'll be the Chicago Bulls tomorrow in Chicago. Our first look at Nikola Vucevic with his new squad. It's an 8 o'clock tip. I'll have the pregame show for you at 7.30 on 96.9 The Game in Orlando and across the state of Florida on the Orlando Magic Radio Network. Couple tough losses the last two nights, 120-97 uh, on Monday nights, the San Antonio Spurs. We saw RJ Hampton finish the game well. He ended up with 16 points in that one, but the defense has been really bad lately. The three-point shooting has been really bad lately and the rebounding you know, finished out okay against San Antonio, but that's been an issue as well as the Magic work new guys in. You've had some injury issues crop up. Gary Harris did not play in the San Antonio game. Chumo Kiki didn't play uh, in the Milwaukee game the night before. He's dealing with a sore hip. And then we saw Mo Bamba go down last night after about three minutes on the floor in that San Antonio game. Uh, and he did not return with a sore hip. And you got a banged up squad right now. So we'll see how these last 18 games roll. Uh, again, at Chicago on Wednesday, we'll see Ken Birch and his Toronto Raptors in Tampa on Friday night. And then we'll see DJ Augustine uh, on Saturday back here at the Amway Center, the Magic 17-37 and 37 right now as we head down the stretch. Hey, Magic fans, the Florida Department of Transportation reminds you that fans don't let fans drive drunk. If you've been drinking, don't get behind the wheel. Instead, find a sober driver or catch a ride service. Remember, drive sober or get pulled over. Have a great night and drive safe. And my guest this week on the Magic Weekly Podcast, uh, I've known the guy for a very long time. I, I don't know if I would say mentor, Matt, because that gets into like the weird Seinfeld thing. Um, <laughs> but, but definitely somebody I've looked up to in my career. Our career has crossed paths a million different times, basically. Uh, we're both from Cleveland. He was the pre and post host for the Pistons, and then I became the pre and post host for the Pistons. We were both at Detroit Sports 105.1. I host the Pistons podcast, Wired the Pistons podcast. Now he hosts... Wired the Pistons podcast. I never had anything to do with the Locked On Lions podcast, but you host that as well. Uh, we both have worked for 92.3 The Fan in Cleveland. You're still doing guest spots on 92.3 The Fan? I, I am. I am. It's, uh, it's great to hear your voice, Jake. It's, um, you're right. We, you and I do go full circle a, a zillion times. We're both members of the Chagrin Valley Conference, if I, if I recall. Well. I went to or, or, Orange High School. You went to Chardon. So, yep. Uh, good, to, good, to, good to talk to you. The CVC, that's a, that's a good callback. Uh, he's, <laughs> he's Mad Terry at Derry Speaks uh, on Twitter, D-E-R-Y. Um, what, what all do you do these days? Like, how do you fill your days up right now? Oh, man. Uh, you know, if you want to say the nine to five and the day job, I'm working for a company called Financial Architects here in, mm -hmm. here in Michigan, doing all their uh, marketing, uh, recruiting, business development. It's a lot of fun. And I can still dabble in any of the broadcast stuff that that I do. You mentioned Locked On Lions, which is a daily Troy Lions podcast we're doing on that network. Uh, and I host, like you said, the Pistons pod. We've renamed it, Jake, from uh, Wired, which was the name that uh, you started it with, uh, to now the Pistons pod. We do a weekly uh, show at, at the website, on the website at pistons.com. And, you know, and, and like you said, Phil, in at 92.3, the fan in Cleveland, among other things. So, the Dairy Brothers Tribecast, uh, you still keeping that going with Todd? I, I do my Cleveland Indians podcast with my brother once a week as well. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a crazy time, certainly. But uh, podcasting and, and doing some radio from home uh, with, the, with the pandemic and everything else, it's, it's kind of easy now, as you know. What are we like, spiders? Are you a spiders guy? 
No, actually, I'm hopeful that the Indians don't change the name to Spiders. I'm, I'm looking at, I, you know, Barons to me would be cool because that was the old NHL team name back in the 70s. Right. And the logo is pretty cool. I don't mind Guardians because of the uh, statues and the, and the sort of the Guardian feel that the, the bridge has there as you cross over from uh, uh, the market into uh, Progressive Field. But, I, you know, I, I'm still a little bit, uh, I'm still a little bit torn, torn on that whole subject. It's, I feel like spiders is fine. Like, I feel like it's perfect. You've got the, really? I just yeah. think it's so minor league. I just think it's like, you know, yeah. that's because it was the original name of the baseball team that we're going to give it that name. There's other than the Richmond spiders, the university of Richmond, there's. Well, that's no the other... point that, cause I, you really? know, I, yeah, I don't want to be the bulls or, or whatever. Barons is kind of cool, but, it, yeah. but it's, it it's a little history. too throwback and guardians. I don't know. I mean, we really want to base our, our whole identity on on traffic, you know. <laughs> that's a very that's a very good point. A very good point. <laughs> um, I kind of like not. How about the Cleveland Nine? Um, not not bad. That's the right. first I've heard of that. Yeah, that's the first I've heard of that. It came to me recently. Um, all right, <laughs> it's just another conversation for another time. I wanted to ask you about the Pistons and about Pistons fans. And as we come down the stretch here, because it's obviously been a difficult season, a difficult couple seasons, a difficult decade maybe for the Magic and for the Pistons and for their fans. And here we are now. Uh, it is April 13th. The Magic are 17 and 37. The Pistons are 16 and 38. Uh, you got the Timberwolves and the Rockets, both with 14 wins and 40 losses. And then the only other teams with less than 20 wins will be the Cavaliers sitting there at 19 and 34 and uh, with the new lottery odds and with the play in tournament, you know, things have changed over the last couple of years. Um, as far as, you know, the T word losing on purpose, rebuilding, going with youth, you can name it all the different things that you want, but coming down the stretch here and we've been having these conversations on the magic broadcast and I'm sure Piston fans and broadcasters are talking the same way. You know, you, you strike that balance because nobody wants to go out there and say these last 19, 20 games doesn't mean anything. You can certainly get good work done heading into the offseason, especially when you have a young roster, which the Magic have only had for about two weeks. The Pistons have had all season basically going on two years now. Um, how, how do Piston fans, and I know Piston fans, um, how do they feel about the end of the season, about losing, quote-unquote, on purpose, is it one of those things where the, the ideal scenario is you play hard, you build some good habits, but you lose the game? Is that kind of where Piston fans are right now? Where are Piston well, fans and where are you uh, well, on, on the end of this season? Well, the, the fan base for the first time, and you know this, Jake, because you were here pretty recently, the fan base here for the first time in a long time is excited. Yeah. Uh, there's a product on the floor that is uh, exciting from a – and again, they don't have a superstar yet. They also don't have some high-flying, you know, uh, dunking-type roster either. But what they do have is a lot of youth and a plan and somebody in place and Troy Weaver, a first-year general manager, who has basically blown up the entire roster and has done it on multiple occasions, uh, whether it was the offseason, whether it was in the early season, whether it was at the trade deadline. Um, you know, they are unafraid to change and – the great thing about the team watching the team play is it's all mostly young guys, Sands, maybe Wayne Ellington and a few others. And, and they're, they're fun to watch. And the other night on Sunday night was a perfect example of, I guess what you would say, Jake, and I think this is where you're going and sort of the perfect scenario for the fan base 
where the team scores like 124 points, plays the L.A. Clippers, the vaunted Clippers, and I know they didn't have Kawhi Leonard the other night, but played them toe-to-toe, head-to-head for 48 minutes, and then, you're right, bowed out at the end. They just didn't have enough. I mean, Paul George couldn't miss, and, and Pistons couldn't get any stops. But it was a fun, exciting game. The young guys, the rookies, Sadiq Bey, um, Isaiah Stewart, uh, Josh Jackson, who I guess you could sort of consider rookies only in his third or fourth year, but he's found a home in Detroit. Those guys really, really played well, and they lost. And so now you look ahead and you say, what do fans want? Well, of course, what do they want? They, they want the number one pick. They want some lottery luck here because this organization, for like you said, a decade plus, has not had any. Going back to when Joe Dumars was still running the team and things weren't what they used to be and they hadn't gone to six straight Eastern Conference finals anymore and there was a little bit of a – they never called it a rebuild here, but they never can get the ping pong balls to bounce their way like ever. The one time they did is when they owned the Grizzlies pick back in the day when they had a good team and they lucked into getting a lottery pick and they took Darko. Other than that, it's been a disaster. So now – for this year, you know, like you mentioned, they have the third worst record in the league. They have the, the, the worst record in the East. So you'd hope that they would get a top three pick. And then, you know, a Cade Cunningham or a Jalen Suggs or somebody like that could come to Detroit and, uh, and, and be a piece that, that could go along with Jeremy Grant, who's been tremendous, and, and some of the younger guys. And, and you continue to keep building that way. But the team is not tanking, per se. They're just – they really are trying, but they're just so young. But it's fun to watch. They got four rookies they're playing. that They, they drafted four guys last year, and they're all playing. That's See, fun. That's, that's the crazy part to me. I mean, you hit on the 16th pick. And, look, it, it's hilarious. Go back and look at the draft grades, right? Yeah. Uh, Isaiah Stewart, C. Uh, you know, you keep scrolling, not to mention the fact that they nailed – I don't know if they nailed, but Saban Lee at the very least is a player – yeah. Um, you know, these, these just had a great just, game against you guys uh, earlier in the year. Oh yeah. Just, yeah. Just coming up party. And we've allowed, uh, many different players to have their coming out party so far this year. But, um, but no, like I, I, and not to mention free agency. I mean, Sadiq Bay was a B I'm looking at this, some SB nation uh, thing right now, but it feels like they hit on everybody. And then free agency. I mean, you'd have thought Troy Weaver had two heads <laughs> with, with the money he threw at Grant, um, and Plumley, I mean, people were like, what, what are they doing? And now all of a sudden those, not only are those two assets, but to me, it was, it was really important because I think that's part of this whole thing is the idea of, and, and we're having this debate down here and people are still going back and forth on it. And I'm not sure there's a right answer, but when you take, when you reset the roster or take a step back or have a youth movement, whatever, how much of a veteran presence do you need? And are you towing that line between, you know, do we have vets in here just because we need a babysitter out on the road? Do we have vets in here because we're trying to develop assets potentially to trade down the road? Um, or do we have vets in here, you know, to sort of show the way and set a culture? And then it's, well, you don't want to be too good because you're still rebuilding and you want to protect the pick for next year. So it seems to me we were struck that balance where, you know, we're going to make some moves in free agency, but obviously we're not going to jeopardize um, flexibility moving forward and it's still going to be a youth movement we're not going right. to have like half veterans and half and have kids we're going to have a couple veterans who we feel like can be you know sort of pillars I guess um, but but there's going to be a whole lot of youth on the floor is that 
does it feel like he struck that balance well? And, and, and what, are your, what are your thoughts on that? Like, he can't be the hinky Sixers. I don't think that works. No, no. He, he did it the right way, like you said. And he also brought in people that he knew. Uh, you know, Troy has a history with Jeremy Grant going back to helping recruit him to come to Syracuse uh, when Troy was an assistant uh, with the Orange. And so he, he, he sold Jeremy Grant on, look, you're, you're not just going to stand in the corner like you did in Denver and splash home a few threes and play defense. We're going to hand you the ball. You know, in Denver, it's, 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 it's Murray pick and roll with Jokic every time. And, 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 you know, Grant stood in the corner. They loved Jeremy Grant in Denver, and he had a, he, he had a career resurrection there last year, but uh, especially in the bubble too. But, no, with the Pistons, he gets, the, he, he gets to handle the basketball in, in big spots, and he's been hurt a little bit the last few uh, games and hasn't played, so other guys are getting an opportunity. But, you know, he's still very, very young, and he, he paid him handsomely, uh, but nothing outrageous. And the same goes with Mason Plumlee. You, you got to have some big people. And Troy Weaver made the point that we want to have an identity of Pistons. We want to get back to the toughness angle. And he wanted some bigs. And so you're right when they signed Mason Plumlee and Jalil Okafor at the beginning of the year or at the beginning of free agency first and drafted Isaiah Stewart. It's like, what's with all these centers? The, I thought the center was going away. And Weaver said publicly, uh, we need to win on the, on the backboards. We need to rebound. And I like bigs. And everyone's like, what, what's going on here? But he also surrounded those guys with younger uh, wings and, and some point guards. And it's not like he collected bigs. He just he put enough on the floor where uh, they could be competitive. They could have a, a system under Dwayne Casey. And it, it's, it's worked to the point where the guys are getting along. You see the light at the end of the tunnel. And, and whether you call it tanking or whatever you're supposed to call it, um, it's, not, it's not egregious. They, they play hard every night. They got guys that want to win that, that are upset with the losing. But again, they're just not talented enough because you're playing four rookies a lot. One of them's a second round pick. This isn't like you drafted Jake number five, 10, and 12. It was right. seven, 16, and 19. And number seven, Killian Hayes is 19 years old and got hurt at the start of the year and missed months of action. So there's been some, some steps back at times, but mostly they're in every game. They play so hard for Dwayne Casey and they're learning and getting better. And now you're right. Another draft for, for Weaver, another a dose of free agency and boom in the Eastern conference. Why can't you be competitive next year? See, and I think that's, I think that's a good example because some of the consternation here is, you know, is about Vooch specifically, right? I think everybody understands contract wise. I mean, hell Aaron requested a trade, um, but you know, Evan was, he was going to be a free agent and, I think everybody understands, okay, that group might have reached its ceiling. And heading into this year, who knows? They started 6-2. and two. Markel goes down in game nine against the Cavs, and everything changes. But, you know, some of the argument that I've heard, and I understand it, is, well, if you're going to rebuild, who better, you know, having a Nikola Vucevic is a great guy to rebuild with. It's going to shorten the development curve of, of your young players, especially if you're talking about guards and ball handlers. And I understand that. But then I also think like, you know, don't just stick your toe in the water. Like if you're going to rebuild, then rebuild. If you, if like, you're going to be wasting Vooch's prime. If you're telling him, Hey, spend years 31, 32 and 33, helping us develop the future of the franchise. Like, I'm not sure that's fair either. So to me, Vooch is a little too good to be a guy that you, you know, to be a Plumlee and a Jeremy Grant. And that's no knock, obviously, on either of those guys. I'm just not sure, 
you could play that same game with Vooch. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it does. And um, the one thing that Troy Weaver said when he came in was, we are going to restore. He didn't say rebuild. He didn't say retool. His word oh, was I restore. Love it. Yes, yes, restore. Because this has been a, 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 a championship organization. Um, obviously, with the bad boys, they won two. And then the going to work 0-4 team won one. Maybe could have won two or got to game seven the next year and lost in San Antonio. Um, so he's saying, look, we can restore this thing to a championship level, but he never really tipped his hand on how he was going to do it. But you kind of knew that with the veterans like Derek Rose, Blake Griffin and others, that it was time to move those guys along. Right. They started the year on the team, but then, uh, you know, Derek was traded to the Knicks and Blake was bought out. Um, but it was time to get younger. No one expected draft draft night this past summer. And I forget the dates, Jake, because we're all screwed up with the pandemic, but yeah, uh, draft night this past summer was really the, the the time that opened everybody's eyes when basically Troy Weaver traded everybody, accumulated picks, and went from having one pick, the seventh pick, um, to having four picks that night and then drafted Killian Hayes, Isaiah Stewart, Sadiq Bey, and Saban Lee all in one night. And it was like exciting to the fans. There's some action. There's some activity. Who are these young guys? What, what's going on here? And it was a sign of, we're going to really blow this roster up. And they did. People said, oh, I really like Svi Mikhailuk, young shooter, uh, controllable asset, gone, traded. I mean, it was just like all, every, at every turn, it just seemed like Troy was, was uh, 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 making a move. It was shades of, of trader John Hammond, oh. your guy in Orlando. When, it was, when it's time to make moves, it's time to make moves. And um, but Troy was doing it all to get younger, but to get to accumulate assets, but get the right guys in here. And they all have very good attitudes. They're playing hard. Like I said, in mostly every game. And it's, it's, uh, it's exciting to the fans because yes, it's, it's fresh faces and everything else, but it's young faces and they're playing a lot. You know, Sadiq Bay is playing a lot and was rookie of the week or player of the week one week as a rookie. Uh, you know, Jeremy Grant is, is, is touching the basketball a ton. Um, and, and so you're getting, you know, Josh Jackson's been uh, improved and, and, and finally is getting a chance and, and, and isn't in, in, in shackles at times from certain coaches that he had in the past. Dwayne Casey's letting him be him. So it's a nice mix. It's fun. Yes, they're losing games. So I guess that's good from a fan standpoint with this lottery. But again, with the way the, the lottery ping pong balls have bounced for Detroit over the years, I don't think anybody's holding their breath. They're going to get the top pick uh, this summer. Yeah, and so and it's I guess like does that inform how you watch these games? Like you specifically, is a win bad right now? I you know it's kind of strange. I was I've never been a tank guy, but I also thought even going back to the end of the Dumars era before Stan Van Gundy that they did need to do some retooling. And instead it was always, and you knew this because you were here, this was always, no, we, we can make the playoffs. This isn't a full rebuild. We yeah. can retool on the fly or whatever the term was. And so when, when Troy Weaver came in and said, I'm not going to call it a rebuild, I'm going to call it a restore, but yes, we're going to get younger. It's like, okay, this is, this is good. And so fans aren't used to seeing the Pistons at the very bottom. You know, look at the Eastern Conference. There's 15 teams. They're 15th. Yes, but nobody's upset about that because like <laughs> they're doing it right. They're transparent. They're, 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 they're telling you what, what's going on. When, when Troy makes a trade, he talks to the media, albeit it's zoom, but um, 
he's he's out there saying this is what we were thinking with this this is what we were thinking with that and you know when, when ownership changed here and, and tom gorse took over he was like we're gonna win we're gonna win uh we're, we're not rebuilding and so now we're, we're finally saying here that it is a rebuild so yeah i guess you watch like sunday's game against the clippers you looked up and you went man that was really fun but at the end was i sitting there at one in the morning going lose i, I kind of I just kind of expected that they would because in the end that's, that's Paul George and, 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 and the Clippers and the Pistons were without Jeremy Grant. It's almost like you knew they weren't going to win and they really played well. So it is sort of a weird way to watch. Yeah. It's kind of, I describe it. I think we're, we're similar right now and it's difficult because, um, because, you know, you felt like at least the last two years you were building towards something. I think, I think by the end of last year, everybody had a sense that, okay, like maybe you can be a top four team in the conference and win a playoff series, but probably yeah. without making another move, um, you're, you know, you're not going to be a championship contender. And then again, you start this year with somewhat high hopes, but you also don't have Jonathan Isaac. And so you're going, you know, okay, it's going to take another move or two. And maybe this is a year, um, you know, kind of a throwaway. But we'll see what happens. And then when Markel goes down, everything changes. But I guess I would describe it as indifference towards the, towards the result. Like the process and the progress is what matters most. Um, if you win, you're not going to be mad about it, right? Like you can still – obviously there are positives in winning. And nobody wants to build a losing culture. And nobody wants to just lose, lose, lose. Like the last two games have been really tough, Matt. I mean, they've been bad losses uh, to both Milwaukee and San Antonio. And now you're sitting there going, you know, at first you kind of had a little spark. You played some really tight games against Denver and, um, and Washington and Indiana, and they all end up losses, but they were entertaining. They played hard and you could see some progress with, with some of the new guys. And uh, now you've taken a couple steps back and it's kind of difficult, but I think, you know, as long as you see, and, and, you know, Piston fans are a, a unique sort of animal un, unto themselves because they really want to see just five Isaiah Stewart's on the floor. I think like that's basically the mentality <laughs> in Detroit. Whereas in Orlando, it's a little bit different. I mean, it's a different fan base um, for sure. But like most magic fans right now are sitting there going, um, we need Kate Cunningham, you know, or like we like, like we got to bottom this thing out right now. Um, and yet still, I think there are some people who are excited about some of the young players that they were able to add and, um, and I also think there's some people who think, you know, they don't know what they're doing because they traded away Aaron Gordon. And, you know, I, I don't know if I can speak to those people. Jeremy Grant, it's kind of interesting with his contract. Like if you guys get the first pick because he's up in 22-23, that's not like an issue, right? You could draft Kate Cunningham if you want or whatever, and it's yeah. not going to be any sort of a, you know, the overlap will be, will be short term. I think he did that right. Yeah, no, I, I think all of the free agent contracts he signed, uh, there weren't any really, really uh, long-term ones. You know, like you said, the Jeremy Grant contract was three years. The Plumley deal was either three or four. Um, I think he's leaving himself, Troy Weaver, as the general manager, open for just about anything. I think he's he's trying different things, pushing different buttons. He's he's found guys off the scrap heap that that maybe he scouted when he was in Oklahoma City um, as the assistant GM. You know, Frank Jackson is a prime example. Kids playing a ton now uh, out of Duke, you know, had one year at Duke and, and everybody's like, oh, he'll be a lottery pick. And then it was, he kind of was disappointing in the draft and then it's bounced around and here, here he is in Detroit and he's, he's found a place to play. Uh, those are the type of players that, that Troy Weaver has sort of unearthed 
and uh, is looking for, and he's trying every, every type of combination. The fans have been told to be patient, and it's the first time, again, in a long time where they are really, really blowing this thing up. And you don't need to have a, a message when you just look each and every day and refresh the roster on the website at Pistons.com and see all the changes. I mean, 80 to 85% turnover from last year is pretty remarkable. That's a lot. It's almost impossible to do. Yeah. But, but Weaver has found a way to do that. I think Dwayne Casey needs to get a ton of credit too because he's kept these guys believing. They play hard, like I said. Uh, he's a good teacher. But this was a guy coaching for championships years ago in Toronto and was a guy that was coaching in the playoffs um, you know, pretty recently as well with, with the Pistons and Blake Griffin. So um, now, you, you know, it's sort of a different, different bird when, 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 you're, when you're flying this plane that is just so young and you're kind of building it as you fly it. Um, but, you know, I, they're fun to watch. Um, they, they still need more talent. There's a reason they're losing games. They don't have enough of it. And if Jeremy Grant's not Superman sometimes down the stretch of games, you know, you're asking a lot of the 19th pick like Sadiq Bey, who's a really good rookie, but he's still a, you know, a young kid that sure. um, you know, isn't ready yet for prime time and matching, like I mentioned before, Paul George or, or, or Luke Kennard or Marcus Morris uh, the other night, shot for shot. It's just he doesn't have the experience, but it's still fun. And, yes, we'll see if the, the ping pong balls go their way. And then, uh, like you said, I mentioned a Cunningham or a Suggs or somebody like that falls to them. And, Look, they drafted a point guard at seven and Killian Hayes, who's 19, but why, why can't you have a couple of them? Why can't you play two play? The, the game has changed so much now that you just you take best player available. I think that's kind of what Troy Weaver did anyway, and he'll continue to do. Oh, gosh, I'm reading the article the other day about three point guards. <laughs> we're, we're getting to the point now where uh, that's all it's going to be. I do sit there and I wonder sometimes, you know, Steve Clifford has had – just a hell of a year. And for Dwayne Casey and Steve Clifford, I mean, these are veteran coaches and, you know, they're not necessarily rebuild guys, but I do think they both probably have really good gifts. You know, Steve Clifford was a teacher. That's how we started. And like, you can tell Dwayne Casey loves that aspect of it. So I think they're probably cut out for teaching young guys and developing. Um, but man, that guy's got to get old pretty quickly. It's, it's got to be difficult for coaches like that. It is, but I think when you look at the Eastern Conference, if, if you and I were sitting here on this podcast, Jake, talking about, oh, we're rebuilding in the West, it would take a longer time, in my opinion. Uh, I think you look, up in the East, you look up in the East and you say, okay, uh, you know, it's Philly and Brooklyn and Milwaukee. And one of those three teams is going to the finals. I mean, it, Atlanta, Miami, the Hornets have been a great story. They've been fun. I, I wish LaMelo hadn't gotten hurt. Um, you know, but the, the rest of that conference, it is, the, the, the gap is not as far from 15 to, to four as it would be in the West. Um, you know, I've watched the Pistons play the Hawks. They've been in all those games, <laughs> you know, and here's Atlanta at four, but, but the gap from 15 to four in the West with Minnesota and Denver or the Lakers, please, that's enormous. So I think if you're Troy Weaver and, and if you're, uh, Jeff and John in Orlando, you look up and you say, um, man, this, I know we traded you know, Fournier and, 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 and Vooch and, and Aaron Gordon. And it's, I'm sure the fans are going, what is going on? But you get Isaac back healthy. You guys you know, get Fultz back healthy and, and you draft well and you sign and you, you, 
you know, Orlando's a great place to live and, and the taxes and everything else and, and, and the tradition that's down there. And Steve Clifford's a whale of a coach. It, it won't take that long to get back up because quite honestly, like, like you were mentioning before, where were they when those guys, not mentioning Isaac and Fultz, but the other guys you traded, where, where were you guys when they were healthy? And I don't think it's that big of a gap to go up from 14 where the Magic are now to four or five next year um, if they get healthy and, and do it right in free agency in the draft. And I think that's a good point because, you know, to be at 14 and for the, if you describe the gap to eight, which is where we were, then I think that's, that's a pretty good perspective, right? Like, wasn't that huge a fall off when you're talking about a handful of games gets you, you know, sneaking into the playoffs. Um, and, and that was essentially the ceiling with that group. And I think that was a grim reality that um, they sort of had to face. I did want to ask you about, um, about what you just said, contrasting Detroit and Orlando. And actually, I think probably you can, you can put both together. Let's contrast New York and L.A. and Detroit and Orlando. Big markets, small markets, free agent destinations. Jeremy Grant gets, you know, has a relationship with Troy Weaver, and he's essentially promised a bigger role. And so he jumps to Detroit. Um, getting big-name free agents to Detroit has never been easy. And it's, and it's, I mean, you talk about an old bit. It's something that people have talked about up there for a long time. And people do with Orlando, too. Like, you're right, the taxes are great and the weather's nice. But it's not Miami, and it's not Brooklyn, and it's not New York, and whatever. So – does that change if you're building a franchise or building a roster and, um, and you're Troy Weaver or you're Jeff Weltman, does that change the way you approach things? Does that mean you have to build through the draft? Well, I think it, it, you're right. The way that we've gone now at the NBA in, in 2020, 2021 is, you know, all of these players are seem, seemingly flocking to New York, Brooklyn, New York, not New York, New York, although that has changed this year. Yeah, a little bit. Um, they have a, a better, it seems like they've got a better um, access there. And, All the and, kids and, want to go play for Tibbs. <laughs> they've done nicely. I mean, the, the, look, the league, you know, it, I don't think we need to say this on the Orlando Magic podcast, but I will. Uh, you, you know the league. The New York Knicks are going to make the playoffs. They are because it's always better for the league when the Knicks are involved. And they oh, are, listen involved. to you. Oh, listen so, to you. In so long, in so long. Tell me about Bill Gates, Matt. <laughs> But I do think that it's tough to get players to come here. I, you know, Orlando, to me, um, like you mentioned with weather and everything else, but it seems like everybody just wants to go play for the Brooklyn Nets or the Lakers or, right. or go to Phoenix and play golf every day and then play your game at night. Um, so it's hard. You know, Chris Paul wouldn't have agreed to join Devin Booker, I don't think, in Washington, but he agreed mm. to join in Phoenix. So with that being said, here – kind of be specific with your question, original question for Troy Weaver. You're right. He told Jeremy Grant, I'm going to give you $20 million a year over three years and give you the ball. And Jeremy Grant said this in the athletic. He liked playing for a African-American head coach and having an African-American general manager. He, mm. he sees that the, that Detroit had that set up and it's something that he it was important to him. And, and, and so there was a good connection. Grant has a good connection with, with Weaver relationships matter. And so the Pistons for the first time in a while do have some nice relationship builders at head coach and at, at general manager. So that's sort of a sell, but again, you're right. Um, Blake Griffin didn't want to be here anymore. So he got out. Uh, Andre Drummond um, said 
all the right things publicly, but let's be honest, he would have rather been shipped somewhere else. He ended up getting shipped to Cleveland, which obviously I'm sure wasn't his first choice either. So it is a tough sell sometimes to, hey, winter's in Detroit. It's cold. Uh, attendance hasn't been great lately. But now I think the culture's changed here. And I think it would be a free agent destination for guys like Jeremy Grant who are ready to get paid, but also ready to play a bigger role and might not fit with the team that they're currently at. It's still not going to beat going to the Lakers or the Clippers or the Suns or warm weather or, or whatever. But they're building the right culture and they're doing it the right way. And uh, like you mentioned, the grant contract isn't egregious. He's not making $40 million a year like Blake Griffin was. He's making half that. So there is some room to maneuver as well as, like you mentioned, the, the, the lottery picks that uh, the lottery pick that the Pistons possess. And we'll see where it goes. What do you think about Blake? Um, you know, it's interesting, and you know this, Jake, from living here. When players say they want to leave or players say, like, it's time to go in Detroit, uh, Pistons fans, Tigers, Lions, Red Wings, whatever team, take it very personally. People mm-hmm. say, oh, my gosh, how can you turn your back on us? We're the 313. We're Detroit. We're the lunch pail town. We're hardworking town. We're, we're the auto industry. Uh, and, and, and I'm not saying fans would get vicious, but in this instance, Blake Griffin from a couple of years ago played on one leg uh, until the leg gave out and um, gave his everything to the organization to the point when they made the playoffs and he had a unbelievable season. And so when, I think that fans gave him some grace because he did thank the organization for buying him out and letting him go. And uh, so there's not a, there's not, there wasn't anybody I don't think that was like really angry at him for sort of saying, look, I'm, <laughs> this is not what I kind of signed up for. Plus he was traded here. It wasn't like he signed here. So sure. uh, I think he had a good attitude about everything. I, I think his game is, is not what it was certainly. And I know people joke every time he dunks, they play it on sports center. Like, Oh my, Blake Griffin can still dunk. Um, but I think he was a good steward here and uh, was a good mentor for some of these guys. And there's something to be said about that. Really, because it feels like the first half of this year he was preserving whatever was left, whatever is left. He was trying, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and now to me, I, and look, and I understand that that's literally self-preservation, but now maybe it's, maybe it's just me being on the outside looking in. Maybe it's me, you know, sticking up for a fan base in, in, in a city that doesn't need me to stick up for it. But now I'm, I'm sitting there going – Okay, just don't talk about it. You don't have to say, "Oh, everybody thought that I sucked before, and now and now we, 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 uh, now they think we're a super team." Because, like, I watched you preserve that leg for for the first <laughs> half of this season, and now I'm watching you dunk, and it, it, it didn't, you didn't you didn't put that out there. But I do think well, you bring up a good point about about two seasons ago because he dragged, you know, that he he was an MVP. Wasn't he a top five finish in the MVP? Uh, voting a couple years ago. I mean, he yeah, dragged yeah, that team to the postseason. I think it was 18, 18 19. Yeah. Um, it was and, what, uh, Milwaukee first round, right? But but when you're on the floor with James Harden, Kyrie Irving, um, and that, and those guys, I think you have a little bit more pep in your step when you're surrounded by, That's fair. no offense, Svee and Frank Jackson. Right. You know, it's like, <laughs> I think that you just have a little bit more, you know, and there's a buzz about that building in Brooklyn. And I know – some fans are in some arenas, some aren't, and, and everything else, and we're kind of uh, weaving our way through this thing. But 
you know, they're, they're, they're going to play for a championship and he's, he's going to, he's chasing one himself. That's how the game goes. He's not the first guy to do it. Andre Drummond is another former Piston that there's many fans here that, that dislike heavily because he didn't play hard every night. And now he's going to get, he's ring chasing with the Lakers. So I don't think, I think fans here are just, they're, they're finally excited about a, a younger team. Uh, this is not a one horse town. I, I know where you are. It's like, Hey, the magic are the, are the thing. Yeah. You know, here, here there's rebuilds all across every sport. <laughs> yeah. So the Red Wings are rebuilding. You want to talk Manta? They did. Yeah. They just <laughs> traded him. Uh, Anthony Manta. Yeah. Well, you want to geek out and talk hockey, Jake? Jeez. Oh no, I don't. And, uh, <laughs> I don't. You want to? Oh my gosh! You're gonna have to call Ansar for that one. Uh, and, and the Lions have been rebuilding since 1957. Yes, correct. Ha ha ha. ha. So, uh-huh. uh, but this is a, actually an official rebuild with the Lions. They are blowing it up uh, for real this time. So, you know, it, with the, the Pistons playing a game like they played on Sunday, and I'm gonna go back to this again against the Clippers. That's like, that's like, that's like excitement around here. To lose by seven to a, a possible uh, 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 Western Conference representative in the NBA Finals in their building at Staples is like that. That's fun here because no other team wins, so that's almost like the closest thing to winning we have. And uh, because they're young and fun and uh, energetic, and you know, you're right. Blake Griffin comes back to town as a Brooklyn Net, gets elbowed in the back of the head by Isaiah Stewart, who gets ejected. Fans ate that up with a spoon. Oh my god! They're like they're like, oh, it's the new Rick Mahorn. It's yep. the new Bad Boy. It's the new Ben Wallace. It's the new Rodman. That 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 that's that's a fun sidebar and an entertaining thing to put on the front page of the paper because the rest of the teams they stink too. You want my Akil Badu takes? He's on my fantasy oh, team. Oh jeez, yes, Akil Badu. My gosh. <laughs> Uh, Isaiah Willie, Stewart, Willie Mays. Yes, for sure. Um, Isaiah Stewart was built in a lab to play for the Detroit Pistons. Like that guy is, I mean, he is the embodiment of that, of that franchise in that city. Um, I, I personally, I don't, I'm not sure everybody would be as on board with this whole rebuild if they didn't have Isaiah Stewart to latch onto every night. I think it's been interesting, but this, but like going back to the Blake thing, like that's, you're right. He's not the only one who did it. It's happening across the league. Now I think it's probably an issue, you know, the buyout thing, it's one th- okay. Look, I, I realized there was an issue when PJ Tucker, for crying out loud, was just like, "Yeah, I don't really want to play for Houston anymore. I'm gonna just not show up to practice." And poor Stephen Silas is sitting there going, "Yeah, PJ Tucker is not really with the program. Like, you're PJ Tucker for crying like, what, what, what are we doing at this point?" And the, the Horford thing is a really bad look. What's your take on like? I, I'm not sure you can avoid it altogether, but it can't be as commonplace as it is now. And you know, I, I have a feeling there will be some changes. I know Woj wrote on it, uh, what, a week or two ago, but I don't know. I'm not sure what the solution is. I just know something has to change. It does, and, and you want to get to the point where your franchise, whether it's the Magic and Magic fans listening right now or the Pistons, have the culture and the wherewithal and the plan that if they have veteran players that are unhappy, that it'll be addressed. It'll be addressed professionally. It'll be addressed in private. You know, the Blake Griffin stuff this year that was handled behind closed doors until it became, you know, leaked out, but it was, it was agreed upon. It wasn't a, an issue where you're playing basketball games and, you, you know, what, what, what happened in Cleveland with Andre Drummond where they basically, uh, you, know, you know, one night he's, uh, well, he's a DNP CD. We won't dress him. He's getting a night off for rest. You know, that was handled pretty poorly. Yeah. Um, 
you know, and then, you know, he's with the team, but he's not on the team. They we're sent trying him to the back. They didn't even want him sitting on the floor or something like that. Right. So, so, so with the Pistons, it was, hey, here's Troy Weaver. Here's Blake Griffin. Conversation, communication. Uh, Blake saying, listen, I'm, on, you know, I'm at the end here. Let me, can we do something? Can we do a buyout? Can I get back some money? That's a lot of money to be paying a guy that you have to pay for next year too. And then you're asking the owner to cut a rather large check during a pandemic when you don't have, uh, you know, three quarters of your fans or 80% of your fans uh, coming through the turnstiles to buy food and, 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 and drinks and, and gear. So uh, they, they worked it out. And I think that that is where right now you look at the Pistons and say, there's some nice stability at the top where, and, and play other players will see that Jake, you asked me about free agency. Other players will look up and say, man, Troy Weaver took care of Blake Griffin. Yeah. That was handled properly. Uh, you know, the Luke Kennard situation, he was traded in the offseason uh, by Troy Weaver. It's one of the first moves Weaver made was deciding, you know, we're probably not going to pick up his option. He is a good player. Let me, let me trade him to somewhere where he would want to go, the Clippers. And then the Clippers extend him. Luke Kennard will look up and say, man, I, I, I appreciate the way I was treated by a general manager that quite honestly was my boss for like a month. So, or a couple of months. So that worked out. And, uh, and, and, and other players talk around the league and they'll say, I would want to sign for a guy and play for a guy like that. And, um, and then you throw Dwayne Casey in the mix and the rest of the staff. And it's, it's, it's pretty cool. I think that's a good point. You know, the relationships and, it's a, you know, it's a fraternity. You've got a handful of agents that you deal with and agencies and all the players talk and um, front offices around the league are all on basically the same group chat for crying out loud. <laughs> you know, you kind of, you got to keep the, there is nobody left on roster from, uh, from the Stan era. I just realized that. No, no. Yeah. Blake, um, you really, you look at it and you say, yeah, Stan Van Gundy was a few years ago. Um, and then uh, there was sort of the, the stewardship of Ed Stefanski for a couple of years where Ed was already was kind of brought in to, to be a, an advisor for Tom Gorris and then ended up running the front office for a couple of years. And Ed was the one that um, uh, made the Andre Drummond trade last year, uh, which, you know, turned out to be a, a, a good move because you didn't have his contract for this year. And you probably couldn't have had that roster flexibility to sign the types of free agents. And Ed is still on board and, but and even who's, who's left from the Ed Stefanski era? Who I mean, is? right? Like, are any of these guys, were any of these guys there at the beginning Seiku, of last Seiku, season? Seiku, Seiku Domboya. Seiku, yeah. He was drafted. Ellington yeah. came and went, right? Or uh, went and came. Ellington, this is Wayne's second stint. Yeah. Team, yes, technically he's, uh, and remember, he, Arn Tellum is with the Pistons as well. Right. And Arn was Wayne's agent back in the day. So that's sort of an Arn Tellum a connection, but Arn, you know, isn't signing players. He's certainly an advisor, but uh, that was an Ed Stefanski signing. And then Troy brought him back. So, yeah. So technically he's, this is his second tour of duty here in a couple of years. Like but other than that, you're right. I mean, you're talking 80 to 85% Jake roster turnover. That's it's nuts. Unbel- unbelievable. Arn is easily in my top two Arns. <laughs> uh, wasn't there a wrestler? Arn Anderson? Anderson. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> Enforcer. Uh, all right, this has been fun. We didn't even do Detroit Sports 105.1. That'll be a podcast for... for no, for, you're, not, you're not getting me to go down that rabbit hole. Right. <laughs> 
I loved, Terry. Work, I, loved work, I loved working with you, man. We had a, we had a, we had some good times. Oh, uh, we had some good times, man. Back um, in the day. Thanks You're for right, everything. Our, our overlap is crazy. It's really, it's really nuts. I remember when I first met you. I was like, wait a second, you did all these things and you're from where I'm from? Like, this is, this is already kind of bizarre. Uh, but you were so helpful when I first got up there. And yeah, you man. having the, the specific perspective of a Clevelander in Detroit, which is a weird, it's a weird vibe, Matt. I mean, it's, we're, they're like brothers' cities, I guess, but, but they're different, and you know that. And I'm, yeah. I, would lo- I could do a whole other podcast with you on being – because you're now a Detroiter. And when you do yeah. guest spots in Cleveland, you're able to sort of step back into that to, to, the, to, to be in a few hours. But it's for different, a few hours. isn't it different? It is, it is, for a few hours. I've been here since 96 now, so it's yeah. been over 25 years. And it's a great sports city. I, I'd put Detroit up against anybody when it comes Same. to sports. It's just the last couple of years has just been really, really tough. That's why I'm, I'm speaking so glowingly about the Pistons, even though you look up and say, my gosh, this guy's talking to Jake Chapman. He's talking about this team like they're 38 and 16. No, it's the other way around, but it is fun. And it is something to, to, to you know, you, you turn on the TV or, or the radio and you want to, you want to pay attention because they are, they are relevant again, this franchise, even when they made the playoffs a couple of years ago and bowed out in four games to the Bucks in the first round, they weren't, they weren't, they weren't that relevant still. Uh, it wasn't that, you know, Fans were they were were they were they glomming onto Blake a little bit? Yes, you know this covering him. Andre Drummond was never that popular. No, uh, even oh Matt, that team that that team that lost to the Cavs, the one t- yeah playoffs appearance from when I was there. Yeah, Matt, fans hated that team. I know, I know, really for a variety of reasons. That, you know, that was the Reggie, yeah, the Reggie Jack, Reggie and Andre. Andre. They, 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 they those guys never clicked or or. Um, Made, made a connection with, with Detroit fans, I don't think, in my opinion, anyways. It was, it was just a tough sell because the team before, that came before them, right? you know, the, the Chauncey rip going to work team that made six straight Eastern Conference Finals was just so popular. And then you also were closing down uh, the palace and opening up a new building, and, and fans needed to kind of get used to that. And it was a weird time. But you're right, Stan Van Gundy came in and said, we are going to get back to the playoffs. He did do that, but the team – you know, got swept by the Cavs. That was four or five years ago. And then Dwayne Casey got him back to the playoffs. But again, they got swept again. So being that seven, eight and dancing around that, which the Magic have done as well, uh, th- th- those days needed to be done. So now sort of bottoming out, but restoring and being more fun, even though you're losing, uh, this team seems to be more popular. Yep. Um, it was, it, it, it's a fun team to follow. They're still, uh, they're still got a special place in my heart. Certainly make sure, I don't know if you see anybody at all, but make sure you say hello uh, via zoom. If you do someday, we'll all be uh, at a basketball game together. Uh, hopefully sooner than later. He's Matt Derry at Derry speaks on Twitter. D E R Y S P E A K S, you know, speaks the way you spell that word. Uh, husband, father, tribe, <laughs> financial architects, Eastern Michigan. I forgot to mention that. Oh my God, we didn't even talk Stan Heath. I mean, how are we, like, what are yeah, we doing Yeah, this here? is exciting. Oh, that's really great. Um, I've done Eastern games the last three years, two on radio now uh, on the ESPN Plus, and uh, Stan Heath did a great job with the Magic G League team. Wow, uh, great job. Didn't realize how much success he had, and now yeah. he's coming back home to, to be the head coach at Eastern. That's really cool. Really cool. I had a feeling uh, he was going to get plucked after uh, after this last run. Uh, no, hell of a guy, great coach, and you, everybody down here speaks glowingly of him. So 
I think you'll have a lot of fun with him. Um, continued success. All the best. Thank you for everything. Uh, appreciate everything. Go Trap. Back at you, Jake. Uh, keep up the great work. You know, I'm listening on, uh, on Sirius when I can to, uh, to you uh, and, and David and Jeff. And it's, uh, I'm, you know, the magic are – you got some great people down there, man. John Hammond's a dear friend. Uh, Jeff Weltman's good people. There's great people down there. So I hope that they can turn it around. And uh, the magic and the Pistons, you and I could be talking about four, five, six in the East next year as opposed to 14 and 15. Thank oh, you. Oh, yeah. Looking forward to it. There he is, All Matt right. Derry. Jake Chapman here with you. It's the Magic Weekly Podcast. I'll be back next week with another edition. Until then, stay safe, everybody.